Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, so we had, last week we started our Live Out Loud message series, and this is really all about how the Christian faith was never meant to be lived uh, secretly or privately. Uh, instead, that it was designed to be really a lifelong pursuit of a vibrant relationship with our Creator and our Savior. And, and our faith really has been designed for us to be lived outwardly so that other people can know who Jesus is. Uh, in fact, in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus told his disciples right after he was uh, crucified and then as he made his first appearance to them after he was resurrected, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. And we talked last week about how that all starts about being all about Jesus, that to live a life out loud, to live our life, our faith outwardly means it has to be all about Jesus. And the big idea was that living out loud for Jesus requires a willingness to let go of our priorities, is that Jesus calls us to some pretty heavy things. He says, put me first. And that sounds scary, but the reality is, is that Jesus promises that when we focus our attention on him, that he promises to take care of everything else. So this week, we're going to continue with our message series, Live Out Loud, and we're going to be talking about how actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. So I want to ask you, have you ever heard the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words? How many of you ever heard that? Let me see your hands. I'm picking everybody. Why do you think that that's true? Why do you think that pictures are worth so much? I think it's because somehow when we see something, it gives meaning to what is said. So when I look at a piece of artwork that the artist could try to describe to me what he's really trying to say, but you understand it more because you've seen it, right? We know that to be true because how many times have we heard people say that seeing is believing? It's like, I don't want your talk. What I want is your actions, right? Actions matter. And as I was preparing my message this week, I started thinking about it, and I thought of a scene in a movie, one of my favorite movies called Batman Begins, that actually has a, that really, uh, I think, puts a punctuation mark on this very thought. Let's take a look at this clip. Bruce? Rachel? I'd heard you were back. What are you doing? Uh, just swimming. Wow, it is good to see you. You were gone a long time. I know. How are things? Same. Job's getting worse. Can't change the world on your own. What choice do I have? When you're too busy swimming. Rachel, all of all this... It's not me. It's inside. I am. I am more. Bruce, deep down, you may still be that same great kid you used to be. But it's not who you are underneath, it's what you do that defines you. It's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. Actions speak louder than words. And I think this is true in our faith 
as well. And so today I want to take a look at how we live our lives. And I want to ask God to teach us how to let our actions speak louder than words. Would you open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 or on your smartphones or your tablets if you have the Bible app? Um, the verses will also be on the screen if you're taking notes today. I encourage you to write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that's in the New Testament. It's probably somewhere around page 4,302. And um, verse 19 is where we're going to begin reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 27. This is the Apostle Paul talking here, and he says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people in order to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring to the Jews to Christ. And when I was with those who would follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. And I did this, why? To bring to Christ those who are under the law. And when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Are you guys sensing a pattern here? Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And then he goes on in verse 24, says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul was a man who lived his life out loud. This man from this passage, we could tell that for him, it was all about reaching people for Jesus. His life had been dramatically transformed because of an encounter that he had with a man who gave him something greater than he could ever find in his own life. We sang this morning about songs about Jesus breaking chains. I call him the chain breaker. What an awesome nickname. If Jesus was an MMA fighter, the chain breaker would be his name. I think that's awesome. I mean, he's the one who brings freedom. None of this can be possible on our own. And Paul, who used to hunt down Christians, had an encounter on a road with Jesus, a supernatural experience, a, 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 something that transcended his natural environment, which, by the way, is what we're hoping for every single Sunday in this building. We want you to experience the supernatural God, the one who created all things. I believe that if you have an encounter with that God, that you will never be the same again, ever I promise you. So I see this man, Paul, who writes this passage of Scripture. He's clearly a man who is possessed with this unending desire and burning passion to reach people for Jesus because he's experienced something so powerful. And for him, he lives completely outwardly for Jesus. And he, re he understood that he has a responsibility. He lives his life as though it mattered because he knew that he has a job to do, and that is to reach people for Jesus. And in this passage, Paul references athletes. It's interesting that he references athletes in their training. Right now, we're in the Summer Olympics, right? How many of you watched Rio 
Summer Olympics. It's pretty fun, right? I think I just saw the medal count this morning from a, our worship pastor. The United States is like double everybody else in the medal count. We have like 126 medals, and I think the next in line only has like 65 or something. It's crazy. So right now, our nation is like captivated by the Olympics. I have been watching a lot of it. I love swimming, and I love diving, and we watch the gymnastics, and you see these guys like who are wearing pajama pants, apparently, and they're like flying all over the, the place, and the women and who look like they're like five-year-old girls who are flying through the air like Superman. It's incredible. And people doing all the track and field and, and all of these things. And I've been watching a lot of it. And, and I get encouraged. I get inspired, right? Maybe you're like me. You watch them and you look at their, their physique, their bodies, and you look at their abilities. And, and I find myself feeling, man, I wish I could look like them, right? And be like, I wish that I could do that, right? Like we get so inspired by watching the Olympics. They inspire me to be great. And our nation, it's so funny what happens when the Olympics come on because our nation gets caught up in these sports, right? And all of a sudden we get excited about people flying through the air on a stick. And then we enjoy like, we, we're like watching people playing soccer in the water. It's like, these are things that no one would ever pay attention to otherwise. And yet we're like, yeah, did you see that water polo match? Like we love the Olympics for some reason. But you know what I think? We learn if we learn anything from the stories of the people that we watch, right? So like Michael Phelps or, or a, a Missy Franklin or, or an Usain Bolt or any of these individuals that we watch that inspire us to greatness during the Olympics, if we learn anything from their stories, what we find is that it's not really their desire and it's not even their talent that gets them there. It's their discipline and their training, right? How often do we hear that for four years straight, they wake up every morning and they eat a certain diet and they go to the gym and they, they work themselves out and they listen to their coach and they refine every single aspect of their game or whatever their technique is so that when they get to the games, and we see them, and they perform, and they get points taken off, right, for the most minute of things. I'm seeing people dive, spinning, doing like 920s in the air, and all of these things on the balance beam, and they're jumping like 15 feet in the air, and then it's like, oh, sorry, you, you didn't have your toe pointed properly. Like, this is insane, insane precision, but none of it happens. Without, this, without this, this discipline and a training and a willingness to, to do what it takes to become that way. And I believe, just like in the clip there that we saw in, from the movie, that it's their actions that define them. It's not their desire or their talent. Because you and I have all the desire in the world to have a gold medal, but I ain't getting one because I don't have what it takes to get there. And even if I did, would I have the strength or the discipline that it takes to train myself to go that far every day? And I believe this is what Paul is saying in this passage that we were reading. It's the same thing for our faith. When we think about living out loud, this mission that Jesus has called us to, he's saying this is the most important thing that is ever going to exist is helping people know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I have given it to you, and we are to carry that. So when we think about living out loud, this is the big idea of the day. I think Paul was saying this, is that living out loud means taking intentional action to bring people to Christ. I mean, look at that passage of Scripture. If, if the idea of the race, he said all athletes run a race, 
and their goal is to win the race, to run it, to win. For a Christian, what is our race? Our race is to live our lives outwardly so that other people can know the same salvation that we have found, right? So in order for that to happen, just like those athletes, Michael Phelps does not wake up in the morning and four years later all of a sudden just arrive in Rio magically. He has to train and take intentional action to get there. The same is true for us. Living out loud as Christians means taking intentional action to bring people to Christ. Let's look at back at that passage a little bit and see what maybe Jesus might be saying to us specifically this morning. How can we live out loud with our actions? So it starts off by saying, even though I'm a free man with no master. So this is Paul. He's like, I, I ain't bought by nobody. Jesus is my master. Okay, he says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Why? To bring many to Christ. This dude lives his life completely for one reason. That is to let people know that Jesus died for them and has hope for them. So what does that mean for us? That we should intentionally act like Jesus in every environment. Where does that come from? Well, he first, he goes, when I was with the Jews, I lived like the Jews. I lived under the law. So Jewish people and their traditions and their laws, as you find in the Old Testament, were all about these rules and these rituals that were designed to keep them separated from the rest of the world. So they have all sorts of, of laws that they were required. They could only eat certain types of foods. They couldn't go to certain places. They had to be circumcised at certain ages. They weren't allowed to be in contact with certain people groups. They couldn't marry certain uh, different uh, people of different religions or different races. They had all of these things that are encompassed under the law of God. So what he's saying is when I hang out with Jewish people, he, by the way, was a Jew. So Paul grew up as a Jewish person, was trained as a Jewish uh, teacher. And so for him, he, he, it was pretty easy for him to be able to mingle with these guys because they're like him. You know what I'm talking about. When you hang out with people who know what you know, they like what you like, you believe the same kinds of things, it's coming to church. Going to any church is pretty easy if you're a Christian because for the most part, you know everybody is kind of starting at the same place, right? So he's saying, when I'm with them, I act like Jesus in their environment, in their context. So I don't go against their rules. They still live under the law. They don't have to because Jesus frees them from that law, but I'm not going to tell them that yet. I'm going to live under the law with them, which means that when I'm hanging out with them, I'm not eating the pork that I'm not supposed to eat in front of them. I'm not going to do all these things. Why? So that I can have an opportunity to build relationships with them and so that they can know Jesus, right? He knows that if I do something that is against their traditions, against who they are and what they believe, that I will not have an opportunity because immediately it creates separation from them, right? So if I walk into a church with other Christians, it doesn't matter what it is, my job so that people know who Jesus is, if I walk around with other Christians, I want to be like them so that they can know Jesus in a deeper way. But then he goes, well, when I was with the Gentiles, I lived like the Gentiles who were apart from the law. Who are the heck are Gentiles? That's everybody else. Unless you're Jewish in the room, you're a Gentile. Gentiles were any person who was not Jewish, okay? So that means if, you were, if you're Greek, that means if you were Roman, that means if you were Italian, if you're American, like all of us who are not Jewish are Gentiles, and they didn't have the law of God. So when Paul was saying here is when I go with them, when I'm hanging out with, with anybody who's not a Christian, when I'm hanging out with anyone in, this, in our modern context, anybody who's not a Christian, he says, I live like they do. I go to the places that they go to because Jesus supersedes the law, 
okay? He says that when I live with them, when I'm near them, I tell them, I live like them. I eat the food that they eat. I go to the places that they go to. I hang out with their friends. And he says, I spend time with them. Why? So that I can let them know who Jesus is. Now, some of you in the room, particularly individuals who maybe are further along in your walk with, with Christ or maybe come from more traditional backgrounds right now, are going, now, wait a second, Pastor Jared. Are you telling me that I have to live, you know, and do the things that are sinful that they're doing? No, that's not what I'm saying at all because Paul addresses that. So what does he say next? He says, well, when you're hanging out with these people, don't ignore the law of God. He says, instead, obey the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Well, I'm glad that you asked. The law of Christ. Jesus uh, is sitting there one day, and a teacher of the law, Jewish person, comes to him and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And he says, Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. Right? He's saying, Love God with everything. It's kind of what we talked about last week. It's all about Jesus. Give him everything, all of your attention. The guy's like, Uh huh, I've got you trapped. And he goes, But. Also, the second is equally like it. Love the neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love God, love people. So what he's saying here, what Paul is saying in this space of do not ignore the law of God, instead obey the law of Christ. When I'm hanging out with my, with my Christian brothers and sisters, and maybe we have disagreements on different theological issues or theological topics or how we should live our lives and what, is, what we have liberty in and what we have conviction in, you know what? The Bible is clear that I, that I am to love God with everything and love them just as much as I love my own uh, abilities and freedom in Christ. So that means that if I'm with a brother or a sister who doesn't believe believe the same things that I do, and they struggle with the things that they feel like I'm, I, I feel like I have liberty in, I ain't doing none of that near them. I'm talking with them as though they are right, and I'm spending time with them so that they can grow closer to Jesus, because I don't want anything that happens in my life to be a blockade for their relationship with God. The same thing is true, though, over here, when I'm hanging out with people who have no idea nor interest in knowing Jesus at all. As I spend time with friends who are atheists or people of different religions, I'm going to South Asia uh, in October to reach a people who have never even heard the name of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Like in the United States, we use the name of Jesus as a slur word, but in other countries, there are places in the world where they've never even heard it at all. And I'm going and I get to share with them the name of Jesus. You know what I'm doing? I'm not rocking my skinny jeans when I'm there. I'm not, I'm not, you know, eating my cheeseburgers when I'm there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down in their places. I'm going to eat their food. I'm going to spend time with them, hear their story, so that I can begin to tell them about this man, Jesus, that I met and how he's changed my life and how he can change theirs in their context. That's the point. It's not about making people be like me. It's making people be about Jesus and what he can do for their lives in their context. Does that make sense to you? And that doesn't mean that I partake, participate in their idol worship. It doesn't mean that I, I get involved in things. So if you're hanging out with friends in Lawrenceville or wherever you live and your friend wants you to smoke pot with him or do something that you know is illegal or is, or is unethical or whatever it might be, no, you do not have to do those types of things. But you know what? You can go to, and I'm gonna, this might get me in trouble with somebody, you could go to happy hour at a bar with a person. Even if you don't feel like you should be drinking, you can still go there because you want to be a light in that dark place. If you don't ever go to a place where there is sin present, we will never reach this world. Because people who don't know Jesus are not knocking down our doors. I don't know if you know that or not. We have to go to them. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, I went to the Gentiles and I lived like them in their lifestyle. I told them about Jesus as I lived with them. And then when opportunities came, when situations arose where it was difficult or maybe there was something I felt I should not do because that would be sinful for me or wrong according to God's plan for my life, then I remembered the law of Christ, which is I will love people. I will love them more than I love my own desires to do the things that maybe they're doing. And, I, and because I love them, because I love God with everything in me, I live my life according to his principles. When I get a chance and that, that situation comes up, I know that I will be able to love them and I have a relationship with them. They're not going to be like, well, why aren't you going to drink that with me? Or why aren't you going to smoke this? Or why won't you cheat on your taxes? Or why won't, whatever it is. Because you'll be able to say, listen, I, I just can't. You know who I am. You know the, the God that I serve. And this is just not what he designed for my life. And they're going to be like, all right, well, suit yourself. But they're not going to leave you because they're, you're their friend, because you love them. If you love people, you build relationships with them. And the purpose of all of this was to bring them all to Christ. And I think sometimes as Christians particularly, and I know I grew up, I, I am, I am I'm a perfect example of this for, for years, and I'm trying so hard to, to break this habit in my life, is that for so long I wanted people to think that as a Christian I was just a normal guy. I grew up in such a traditional Christian home where I couldn't, where it was like you can't listen to secular music, you can't watch rated R movies, you can't. I went to a school, this is insane, I went to a, a Christian university where at the time, like before I got there, 10 years before, you couldn't even go to a movie theater. You would actually get like kicked out of school for going to a movie theater or going to a dance. These are things that like some of us Christians have grown up with in traditional senses, right? And as I grew up, well, all I wanted to do was show people that I can love Jesus and still be a normal human being. But some of us have gotten stuck in that place where you don't tell anybody about Jesus because you're like, well, that's, if I do, then they're not going to want to like be a Christian because, because now I don't want to like hurt their feelings or whatever it might be. But the reality of this is that Paul loved people. And I can tell you that 99% of the time, it's not an actual figure. I'm just kind of, you know, like 99% of the time, if you have a relationship with someone and they might hate God, but they love you. They'll still be your friend, even if they don't think, you think you're crazy. But if you love them, if you spend time with them, you build relationships with them, they don't care that you are a Christian. All they care about is that you are a friend. And God uses that space. He uses that space for you to tell them about Jesus. But some of us never take that step. We're friends with people for years, and they barely know we're Christians. But Paul had a very different, very different uh, approach to this. He intentionally looked for ways to live out loud for Jesus. And he says, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. This is not an accidental man. This sounds like a guy who's got one purpose. My job as I meet every single person is to be the light of Jesus, to act like Jesus in every environment. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. You know, oftentimes we want the blessing of God on our lives, but we are not willing to do the work that it takes to receive it. In this case, some of us are saying, God, I want my family to know Jesus. I want my friends to know Jesus. And we pray that. Some of you pray that. And I'm hitting hard today, and I get it because I'm preaching to myself. But the thing is that if you want the blessing of God on your life in this area of your life, the, the, the scriptures teach the, the principle of sowing and reaping. If you don't ever sow into, like farm, planting, understand? If you don't ever sow into people knowing Jesus intentionally, you will never reap the blessing of what it's like to know when someone finds that hope or that peace. 
Paul, his job, the gold medal for him was to make sure that he got people into the kingdom of God. It takes intentionality, folks, to live out loud with our actions. He says all athletes are disciplined in their training. This next kind of last space here that he says, he moves on to the athletes. He says all athletes are disciplined in their training. He says they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. I think that what Paul is saying there is that not only do we need to intentionally act like Jesus in every environment, I think he's saying that we need to intentionally pursue Jesus in every moment. He says, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I think shadow boxing is really cool. Shadow boxing is neat. I've seen like Rocky movies, so sometimes I feel like I can be like Rocky. Again, I have a problem. I watch TV and I like want to be these people. But shadow boxing is neat because what it does is you stand next to a mirror and you, you, you go through your formations and your, your moves, and you're looking in the mirror to see exactly how you're moving, right? Paul is saying, he's not saying there's no value, because in a moment he says he trains with discipline, right? But he's saying, I'm not just shadowboxing. If you are coming to church every Sunday, if you go to life group, if you serve at an outreach, but then throughout the rest of the week, you don't ever mention the name of Jesus. You don't ever talk to someone about Jesus. You don't ever find some way to move forward in a relationship some, with someone so that they can know Jesus. And I'm not saying you've got to preach. What I'm saying here is this, it's about the intention, okay? Not the action specifically. The intention behind it. If you go through a week, me and myself included, and none of us don't take any actual intentional steps to to help people know Jesus, all we're doing when we come to church is shadow boxing. That's all we're doing. We're just looking at ourselves in the mirror, but not actually hitting anything. That's what he's saying. He's, I'm not just shadow boxing. He's living out loud with his training. He's not just hearing what his coach is telling him. He's doing it. He's looking for ways to put into practice what he has learned from Jesus. He's following Jesus' lead in every moment. And then he goes on to say, like I said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You know, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. This is from uh, John chapter 10. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. But, you know, we know Jesus by doing what? By spending time with him, by worshiping him, by being in his word. This is training for the race. So if our race is to reach people for Jesus. If that is the race that we have all been called to, then the training for the race is to listen and know the instruction of our coach. And our coach is Jesus. We discipline ourselves by setting priorities in our lives and boundaries, just like these Olympic athletes get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to a pool. The last thing I want to do at 4 in the morning is get into cold water. In fact, there was this great piece about what the thing that they hate the most, Olympians hate the most, uh, water, like swimming Olympians, they hate getting in the water in the very morning, the first thing. And every morning, can you imagine what it's like getting up out of that alarm and out of their bed in the morning, the alarm goes off at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, and the first thing they know they're doing next is jumping into a cold pool of water. But they do it anyway. They get up. They train themselves. They've disciplined themselves. They've put priorities in their lives. They've set boundaries. Sometimes they've had to say no. Some of those guys for four years have said, no, I'm training for one thing. I can't go to that restaurant with you. I can't go to that place or do this. I have a training week. I have a concentrated thing. I can't go on vacation. They have set boundaries for themselves. And Paul is telling us 
that these things, that the same is true for our faith, that we will only become, I want you to listen to me and hear this. This is important. Wake up, everybody, whoever's sleeping, wake up. Listen, we will only become the people of God that he intends for us to be if we discipline ourselves to follow Jesus in our personal lives. We cannot become what God calls us to be. All the things that we see in Scripture, all the blessings that we want, all the freedom, the chains that we need to be broken off of our lives, none of it is possible in our lives if we don't discipline our personal selves to be with Jesus. I'm telling you, it is the truth. He is saying that for us, it is all about the discipline in our lives and our faith. If we want the nations to know Jesus, if we want Lawrenceville to be, this church to be filled with people from this community, if we want the city of Pittsburgh or wherever you are from to know the name of Jesus, you want to see gangs get off the street, you want to see drugs eliminated, you want to see prostitution gone, you want to see homes fixed and marriages restored, they need Jesus. And the only way that that happens is if his people bring him to them. And we have to start with ourselves. And I'm preaching to myself here, folks. How many days do I get up and I take my kids to school and then I know I should have some time with the Lord, some time with worship? How many days do I just go, you know what, I'm running a little bit late today and I skip that part of my schedule? But you know what happens if you do that too many times? Just like an athlete, they begin to see flab on their body. Their muscles aren't as refined anymore. And they're not as effective. And then they get to the game. And what happens? They're not prepared. They lose. How many times do we meet a friend and we go, man, this is an opportunity today. I I might actually be able to share Jesus with them. Like, I I don't know if that ever goes through your brain or whatever. But have you ever had that opportunity where maybe you're like, this is a chance. I could literally do something great here. Maybe invite them to church. And then what happens? You end up fumbling over your words and you kind of botch the whole thing. I'm not saying it only happens because of this, what I was talking about, but I believe that preparation in a private space with Jesus, learning who he is, it becomes natural for us. Those divers, when they do those crazy somersaults and land in the water perfectly, it wasn't their first rodeo, folks. They've done it hundreds of times. They practice, they know it, and they know when they didn't hit it right, right? They get out of the water and they didn't even see their score. They haven't seen the replay. They know that they messed something up. The same thing happens with us. As we discipline ourselves with Jesus, as we spend time with him, worshiping him, we hear his voice, we know him. And then when we have that chance, when it comes time to to hit a a hurdle in a race, which is figuratively for a, a moment to share Jesus with someone, we'll have it deep within us. It'll be natural. We'll speak about who he is because it comes from within us naturally. And he finishes with this. He says, otherwise... I fear that after preaching to others that I myself might be disqualified. This is why actions matter, why they speak louder than words, because hanging around the team does not make you a champion. Wearing the uniform doesn't win the race. Remember the quote that we started with this morning, it's not who you are underneath, it is what you do that defines you. Our mission is to bring people to Jesus. Our intentional decisions to act like Jesus in every environment and to pursue Jesus in every moment is what will bring people to Jesus. Our decision to follow Jesus and live our lives for him can do far more than our words could ever say. So I want to finish with this, a couple practical steps here. If our uh, worship team would come up. This is just some, a couple things that I feel like I think would help us to maybe how do we apply this this morning? How can we live out loud? How can we, how can we let our actions be intentional? The first thing I would say is this, is intentionally include others in your life. Find ways to identify with others. 
If you don't know anybody who's not a Christian, then you got to think about, okay, where can I go? What could I do to help people know that? But I can almost guarantee that everybody who works in a normal job outside of a church comes in contact with people who don't know Jesus. So intentionally include others in your life. Invite them to lunch. Hey, do you want to get lunch this week? Build relationships. That's all Paul was talking about here. He's not saying that in every moment you have to stand up in the town square and preach. What he's actually saying is, I was hanging out with a bunch of Jewish people. I was hanging out with a bunch of Gentiles. I was going to happy hour with them. I was going to coffee shops with them. I was going to dinner or movies with them. I was doing these things so that I could build relationships with them. Intentionally invite people, include people into your life, and find common ground. That's what he said. I try to find common ground with everyone so that I can bring them all to Christ. Find ways to identify with others. Next, don't give an invitation. Instead, give a bring-vitation. I think this is where the church gets it wrong, is that we say, hey, would you like to come to church with me? No. Okay. Well, I'll talk, see you tomorrow. <laughs> But instead, bring them with you. Hey, listen, I'd love for you to come. Can you come? Why don't you come with me like this week, next two weeks from now at our church? We're having breakfast. Like, that's awesome. Come eat some breakfast with me. Like, bring them with you. We have our Christmas services or whatever's going on throughout the, throughout the year. Don't just throw random invites out like you're just throwing bird seed all over the place and hoping that something happens. Instead, be intentional and talk to a friend and bring them with you somewhere. Number three, take steps today to reorganize your habits and your priorities around pursuing Jesus. None of this will happen if you don't look at your life internally and say, what, do I actually have situations or habits in my life that prevent me from being with people or from telling them about Jesus? Some of it, for some of you, it might start with just reading your Bible on a daily basis and, and praying and worshiping. For some of you, it might be, you know, stop going to this place at lunchtime because I never get to see anybody, so instead I'm going to choose to take lunch and invite friends or, or whatever. Whatever it might be for you, reorganize your habits and your priorities around pursuing Jesus. Number four, ask God for a burning passion and a love for people who are far from him. I think this is a good place to start, too. For some of you, you walk by people, and even right now you hear this, you go, wow, that sounds great. I agree. I probably should be sharing the gospel. But honestly, I just, if I'm honest with you, I, I just don't care that much about their soul. Like, that sounds horrible, but I think we live that way, right? Ask God for that burning passion, the same passion that Jesus came and with, withstood all this torture because he loved people who were far from God. And finally, think of one person that you could, take an intentional step with this week to bring them closer to Jesus. Would you stand with me and close your eyes? What could happen if we became a people who lived our faith out loud and acted like Jesus in every moment of our lives? How would our lives change if we pursued Jesus in every moment? What would it be like for us? Can you imagine how he would influence our lives? There are so many people who need to experience the goodness of Jesus like we have experienced. What would happen if we made it our personal responsibility to bring people to Jesus? What I want to do now as we close is I just want to respond together as a church now in worship. And I want to commit our actions to him. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week 
but follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.